The Total Financial Hour is sponsored by TFS Financial Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions, Inc. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halabi, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategy strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial power. Show. Thanks for being part of the show. We're talking about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future. You know, we talk about getting out of debt a little bit. I'm going to touch on that. It's not going to be the topic of the entire hour, but I do want to remind you the second hour of the show, your emails. And again, we have two amazing, thank you guys for participating. Thanks for sharing your stories and and asking your questions and being a bit vulnerable because I think that is uh, really what everybody needs. It's that one person that steps out and says they have a problem and then you find out that half of the other uh, folks that are standing around you also have the same kind of problem. So it's nice to have you guys step out and, and make a difference. All right, I want to touch on a couple of things. When I talk about getting out of debt, that's one of the moves that's going to be happening across this inflationary environment is the attack on bad debt. It's a way to almost punish you for stretching greater than you could afford. So keep in mind, Summer's over. You're not going to use that boat or that RV or those jet skis or whatever they see dues. Maybe it's time to sell them while the selling is and the getting is still good. Because I think if you owe money on those kinds of things and you're not going to have time to use them, then they depreciate in value rapidly. Now, you might say, well, that's kind of a weird conversation, Arif, because retirees are supposed to have fun. That's kind of the direction we want to go. Well, you can always buy them back. You can always buy back brand new ones someday when, t- when you get stable. But my biggest concern, and I have seen this time and again, you guys get into debt. Now, when, when there's the groups that are in there, it's in their best interest for you to get in debt. I'm going uh, to push this a little bit, you guys. It's some of the religious organizations. Yep. Some of the uh, groups that require or say that you should be putting things on your credit card. I I don't know how godly that is. I don't know how honoring that is to the responsibility that you've been given with the money that you've been given to deal with that the right way or the legacy that you're planning on leaving to the next generation. Right? It's to leave a bunch of debt? Really? I I don't know that. I, I think there's something wrong with that part of the story that says you're supposed to go out and go into debt 50, 60, a hundred thousand dollars. Just don't do it. You want to give, you want to go and work three more jobs or two more part-time jobs and give a hundred percent of what you make from that. I'm okay with that because time is gone every second. Every second is here and then it's gone. 
and you want to give that away to somebody else by the by tra- transitioning or or transferring the earnings that you made into those dollars, fantastic, go do that. What I don't want you to do is to go through this recession as we're in the middle of it, and it's just going to get worse. It'll get a lot worse. I don't think you're going to see any hope until the summer of 2024. Lots of reasons why. I think it has to do with money supply and with the pulling out of, uh, of circulation of the dollars. Ultimately, they're going to have to put these dollars back into the economy. It's just what the Federal Reserve is going to have to do. And I think they're going to try to do that. The, the left, especially, is going to try to do that specifically just before the general election, which is going to be coming, of course, in 2024. The reason the Fed hasn't tightened the way it should and 1% and, and uh, tightening of the Federal Reserve rate is very simple. We believe that it has everything to do with the midterm. Because if they do that, there will be mass layoffs. And maybe it's you. That's why I want you to be out of debt. It could be mass cutting back of overtime. Well, if you were like me early on, I, I lived on overtime. Overtime was called normal for me. And then when the recession of 1991-92 hit, and they said, oh, sorry, no more overtime. And I went, uh, but we're a two-income family. That meant I have two jobs. <laughs> so, and, and my wife had two. So what do you mean we don't have enough to live on? So... I want to transfer that responsibility back to you. Okay, now think of this for a second. If you are a retiree, when are you going to step up? You've made your money. You've saved it. I'm glad. I'm proud of you. But have you been paying attention to what's happening in Saugus High School? Saugus High School. Remember the Saugus shooting many years ago? I happen to have known both the shooter and his and his family. And... When you look at the Saugus High School shooting, it was the law enforcement men and women of the Santa Clarita Valley that stepped up, made a difference. How fast can we go and throw them under the bus? How fast can we go go and say, oh, that blue lives matter flag irritates me. It, it triggers me. It brings back bad memories when I was once stopped for the police by the police for not doing anything wrong. And you ask yourself, wait a second, how did a, a community... How did the cowards, yes, principal, you're a coward. Yes, superintendent, you're a coward. Now, school board, you're not a coward. Joe Messina, president of the Hart School Board, stood up. But the rest of the Hart School Board, big cowards. What do I mean by that? They're afraid you might protest in front of their house. You could call, wait, you could actually cause them to stand up and take a stand. Look, retirees, seniors, you guys have time. I think you guys should step up and figure out why in the heck is this happening when all of a sudden it's okay to go and become against the the law enforcement. I'm not talking about bad guys. There's bad law enforcement. Yes, there is. Yes, there is bad law enforcement. Got it. And when we see them, here's what we do. We say, you're bad law enforcement, and we prosecute them, and we put them in jail. That's what you do. But when you have a principal and an assistant principal and all of the people that are involved at Saugus High School and you ask them a couple of questions and you say to yourself, uh, excuse me, why can't we become just normal and say, listen, if you have a psychological problem with being triggered by a flag with a blue line on it, well, it's like the Confederate flag. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? 
you guys need to say, no, it isn't. And then they're going to say, yes, it is. And you say, no, it isn't. And then you ask them to go get psychological help. I don't know what it's going to take. But when will you stand up? When will you have courage? Right? When uh, Genevieve Peterson Henry. I don't know why she's turned into be a coward. She's worried about everybody's feelings. What about the majority feelings? What about the kid whose dad is in law enforcement? Well, you guys can stand up, can't you, seniors? Because here's what they're doing. They're using your money. They're using your taxpayer money throughout the state of California to pay for this stuff. And you think you're safe, you're going to run to another state. Remember, courage and cowardness follows people everywhere. If you're a coward in Los Angeles, you're going to be a coward in St. George, Utah. Oh, wait, what do you mean, Arif? When the middle schools and the high schools there, you're you're not going to believe this. So please grab your seat. I'm going to say it again in a little bit because you're going to think I misspoke. When there's something called a furry, have you heard of that? Like LBGTQF is the, the furry. What is a furry? Well, a furry's people are very simple. They're people that identify as an animal. And it's a, quote, misunderstood culture. Yeah. Misunder- they're people that identify, quote, normal. They're, they're, they're not normal people. I don't know. They're going to say that they're normal. But they identify as an animal. Which means in the high schools of Southern Utah, conservative Southern Utah, they are now putting litter boxes <laughs> I'm not joking. In the in the girls in the women's bathroom, so that these people that think they're cats can use the restroom, can use the facilities. Have you asked yourself, when did we get on crazy train? And I think a lot of you don't realize that a big part of it is that you don't nobody stood up when it was a small thing. Nobody had the courage when it was a medium thing. Right? Everybody thinks that this this component of I, I'm a fur animal where you've seen them, right? Right? Where they're makeup. Sometimes they have these uh, masks. They have these hoods on, almost like a mascot at a football game. Right? You would think of them, oh, that's cute. That's nice for Halloween. But here's how you make a furry suit. They tell you how to do it. Here's what you do. Now you go to college, you go to high school, and everybody's got to call you by your furry name. You see, when we go down the road of crazy, they're not bad or evil people. I'm not telling you that. They're just not balanced. Oh, Arif, you're hurting someone's feelings. Okay. Yes, I am. It's not my job to hurt your feelings, but you control your feelings. I don't. You control, believe it or not, when you're offended. I don't. I can say the same thing in a room full of 10 people, and if four of them are offended, do you realize it's the four problem, four people problem problems, not mine. It's a you problem when you're offended. And myself included, right? You don't think I get upset about things? When I say, oh my gosh, look at that guy, look at that girl. Well, it's a me problem. I learned to develop it, right? I learned to, to deal with it. I learned to take my, my conversations about what, what's happening in this crazy world and, and Try to create something that's different. Well, that's what you got to do. When is it that you're going to come to the place when you ask yourself, why am I not standing up for these things? Right? Why am I not standing up for what's right? Why am I not standing up for people and conversations about 
America being the best place to, to live. And why am I not standing up for, for the law enforcement men and women? Not the 4% or 2% that are jerks, that are crooks, that are bad guys, that you have no business being on the police department. Right? It, it's a lot smaller percentage than those that work at Twitter that are bad guys. I want you to know that. It's a lot smaller percentage and a much greater backroom, uh, background check you have to go through to be on the fire department or the police department than it is to be uh, an employee over at Facebook or Instagram. So you don't have to like them. And you might even be offended by them. But when are you guys going to stand up that have built your retirement programs? You're done. You are no longer uh, owned, yeah, by somebody else eight hours a day where they're, they're in charge of your, your pay, your benefits, your coworkers, whether or not you receive something called freeway therapy. My law enforcement friends know that, right? When you upset the captain or the chief, they transfer you to as far away from your home as possible so that you're spending an extra hour a day on the on the freeway or longer. It's called freeway therapy. It's a way to punish you, but not really punish you, but punish you, but not really, right? It's like, what? I didn't see you. I didn't know that. See, you're not subject to any of that. And then when they turn around and they give us this, this conversation about safe, everybody runs to safe. Yep. And then who takes it to the extreme, right? When you're supposed to tolerate everybody who wants to be called... Uh, something other than male or female, and it continues down this road of 72 genders that can go on your California driver's license. And yes, 72. And then on the other side of it, they say the word safe, and it's for the children, and it's for the people. So they have you wear a mask, and then you wear a mask driving your car by yourself. And then now you wear a mask walking down the street with sunshine and the wind blowing and you're walking your dog by yourself. And you ask yourself, these have to be psychologically impaired people. Again, when I said that, I didn't mean bad or ugly or mean. They just need a little help coping. I don't know what it is, if it's through their religious uh, uh, mentor, if it's through medication, if it's through the psychologist at the local free clinic. I'm not sure. It's outside of my pay grade. But when are you guys going to stand up and say, you guys are crazy. We're not going to call you a furry. You know how many LA Unified schools you have educators, principals, assistant principals are just as bad or worse than the conservative haven of Saugus, California. And Peterson Henry, Miss Peterson Henry, the, the principal, doesn't have the courage to stand up. I, I don't know what happened. Because I, I would bet that five years ago, if you pulled her aside and said, are you going to have courage? She would say, yes, I do. And you say, you're going to stand up for the men and women of law enforcement, not the bad guys, but all of the ones that are good and amazing and great. She would say, yes, I will. And when you sit there and say to the, the, the people on the school board, of course, not, not Joe Messina. I'm telling you, Joe's a great guy. He knows what he's doing. He's right on track. But the other men and women on the Hart School Board, former teachers, are you kidding me? You and your husband's pension, yeah, I'm calling you out. You and your husband's pension is $10,000 a month in your pocket. That means the school is paying you to stand up for the young men and women, to advocate, to make sure that there's decency. And instead, you guys want to let women and men 
the young men and young women be manipulated by a political agenda and you let men compete in women's sports and change in the women's locker room and you guys have courage guys with a little bit of money and a little bit of time that you have you need to go and stand up in front of these school board members it's getting out of control they're allowing kids to call themselves cats and use a litter box in the school bathroom does that not drive you crazy? Is there, is there not somebody inside of you saying, well, now it's time to stand up? I don't mean be violent. I don't mean be, uh, you know, mean. But you will have to be rude. And you will have to be straightforward. And you will have to be confrontational. I'm sorry. You see, the left has decided to manipulate the word safe. I don't know when it started. Maybe when... Seatbelts, remember seatbelts? Yeah, we didn't we didn't have them growing up. Safe has changed over the years, hasn't it? As she was driving and you were in the front passenger seat, sitting on your on your uh, you know on your calves, right, sitting up on your knees, looking out the window. Certainly not buckled in. Or well, how about helmets on bicycles, right? You see helmets on bikes, scooters. And you have a kid riding a bicycle around town. That's cute. That's nice. I never wore a helmet ever. We didn't have them. If you were racing bikes, I guess you would. But all of a sudden now you have these paid pay for scooters, right? You use your little app on your phone. You get on that scooter and you ride 15, 20 miles an hour in some of these cases without a helmet. And the little kid who's a toddler who rides his bike, who knows how to fall better than anybody, whose bones are, are certainly a lot more flexible than mine. And you make them wear a helmet and gloves and knee pads. You see, the same psychological issue that has overdone that helicopter parent, those people are now in charge of our schools and our political institutions. Right? Try to play something called freeze tag or kill the ball carrier. Right? Smear the ball uh, ball carrier. You know what I'm talking about. Try to play any of those games where suddenly, you know, somebody doesn't get picked first. Remember that? I uh, Once I didn't get picked for a team when I was little. And you know what it did? It hurt my feelings. But I didn't ask the entire school to change, to hurt my, to fix my feelings. I just decided I was going to get better at that sport. So the next time they would pick me. And when I finally did get it, get on a team, I really did well. And then they said, wow, Arif, next time we're going to pick you first. That's what I did. I rose to that occasion. Why? Because I, I was tired of crying for not being picked. Instead, you tell your kids, oh, you can be anything you want to be. You can do anything you want to do. Well, sometimes they're not good at something, right? If they're short, don't tell them they're going to be an NBA player. If they're lousy, can't carry a tune and their hearing is off a bit, you don't give them a violin. Right? I, this is a challenge. You encourage kids in what they're good at. God gave you a different ability than me. And because your ability is different than mine, believe it or not, you just might have your feelings hurt if you try to compete in my world, and I will have my feelings hurt when I try to compete in your world. Right? I, I think part of this is you're now a retiree with some money, and you're acting as if you still need the permission of your employer or society. 
If you have three, four, five sources of income and you have a backbone, who else is going to protect kids? They're going to look left and right and they're going to see what parent is brave. What parent has courage? I don't know the answer to that. The word safe is used to control you, your thoughts, your movements, your purchases. The word safe is really designed to do a couple of things. And that is to manipulate almost everything about your actions, what you buy, what you see. So I ask you this, if that's the case, tell me why they let fast food, food restaurants stay open during the pandemic, right? With the extra salt, fat, Tell me why they let bars and liquor stores stay open, but not churches. And some of you said that was okay. Right? In the end, when you finally learned that the virus was, was worse than a normal virus, but not the end of the world, some of you still chose not to go to church. Some of you still chose not to go to synagogue or not to participate with your friends or go visit family. I still see young people wearing masks at stores. Is that insane? That is a psychological problem, people. Because we've had viruses just like we had cars and, and pickup trucks and no seatbelts way back when. An entire generation should be wiped out from cars without seatbelts or riding in the back of a truck without a camper shell or playing a game called, uh, you know, freeze tag or hide and seek. Oh, no, wait, don't hurt my feelings. Why, how are we still alive as a society? I don't know that answer. How did we create life when all of a sudden so many of you are not standing up? So I want to encourage you to do that. You see, money used to be a tool to survive. Money used to be a tool to live. And now it's a tool to control. And if you're not careful... You're going to let others use your money against you. When we come back, I want to touch base on, on this new um, proposition. I think it's Proposition 27. It's the gambling one on your cell phone. Do I care about it? Well, what I care about is it's the Indian casinos telling you not to let gambling apps for sports betting go on your, on your cell phone. Yeah, the Indian casinos, Native Americans, whatever they call them, uh, they've changed names a lot over the years. You got to keep up. It's the dictionary. So ask yourself, am I going to let the Native American, Indian, indigenous population control my ability to gamble on the on my cell phone? I, I, listen, I, I don't do that stuff, so it doesn't matter to me one way or the other. But when I think about, wait a second, there's misleading, there's dishonesty out there. And that is, ready for this? It's for the children. It's for the children and for old people. We still like nurses. So children, old people, and nurses. So, so and clean water. Oof. You better vote for this. It's for clean water and old people. Clean water, old people, children. And we don't like police now, so we can't say that. We gotta, so it's clean water, children. I mean, you follow me? They go through a bucket, the left, and they say, what are we going to call these people? What is the next thing that we need? to be able to put on this next ballot. And they use the word like discrimination or, or equity. You guys know nobody is born equal. 
Zero. And unless you're an immigrant, you never made a choice to come here, whether you were born here or whether your great-great-great-grandparents were born here. That has nothing to do with you. Nothing. Oh, if you know there's systemic... Baloney, baloney, and double baloney. And I will rate, uh, I, I will uh, uh, debate you. you. You want to come on my show? We'll debate. We'll discuss this. It's Proposition 26, by the way. Proposition 26. Vote yes. Why? Because I don't want anybody else controlling me. Certainly not indigenous people's population who are only in it for the money and for their casinos. This equity idea, it's very simple, folks. This equity idea is about taking power and money from you. All right. Correction, Prop 27. Stay with me. We'll discuss Prop 27 when we come back. This is the Total Financial Hour, 888 retire I'm Eric Halliday. Stay with me. Second hour of the show, 888 retire We'll be right back. Financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Now Arif has a plan for me. Higher income strategy. I'll retire comfortably. Thanks to Arif Halliday. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Arab Halaby, the total financial hour. Triple eight ninety nine retire eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven. Our goal is to help you get out of money plan. Uh, get out of money. Get out of debt. Plan uh, for retirement and and save your money because I think then you can make a difference that most of you have been afraid to most of your life, right? If you had kids in college who were trying to save up to pay off a house or to buy a house, you were always afraid of, well, I don't want to make waves. I don't want to make any waves. I don't want to push any buttons. I don't want to overstep my bounds. You know the words. Because often you would be punished punitively. You would be pushed in a corner. You'd have to find out how to make a difference in, in the world without really you know, stating your opinion. We saw this a lot. In the black community, you'd watch racism happening and you wouldn't do anything about it. And then some of you stood up and then something called Selma, Alabama decided to take place. Oh, surprise, Rosa Parks made a difference, didn't she? You see, just like if you wouldn't, you say, listen, we're just not going to put our kids in school, Saugus High School. We're just not going to do it. And the school gets paid hundreds of dollars per day per student. And if enough of you parents decide you're going to step down, and just pull your kids out of school. And maybe you organize this, not just for one day, but two days, three days, maybe a week. Obviously, they didn't care about school during the pandemic. They made up this phony little video chat thing and everybody got the same grade no matter what. Well, maybe you can actually stand up for something and have the principle actually matter instead of being this you know, wishy-washy person who stand. Oh, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. You oh, you hurt my feelings. Is, is that it? Oh, but I don't matter because I'm conservative. 
You see, a lot of you conservatives don't protest your work. A lot of you conservatives don't over, over, um, you know, state your points because you actually care about people. It's the left that are wacky. And all of us that don't want to make a difference because you don't want to make any waves, you just become irrelevant. And that's a very sad thing. I never wanted to be irrelevant. My mission in life is to make a difference. It just is. When I didn't have a lot of, a lot of money, when I do have a lot of money, when I'm uh, broke, when I'm not broke, when I have a house, when I don't have a house, it was always to make a difference in the world. Are you going to make a difference? Oh, I did for my kids. It's about my children. Okay, good. Your kids are good. Got it. Checkbox. You have 10, 15, 30 years left on this planet. Is the world even going to care the day after you miss? Uh, you're, you're gone? Are they going to miss you? Of course, your kids, your family and friends, but the world, I said the world. You see, Elon Musk stood up. He said, I have money and I'm going to use my money and I'm going to use it to put an end to this Twitter debate where a 29 year old gets to shut down conversations that he or she finds, quote, offensive. That's the new F word, guys, offensive. I know it doesn't start with F. I went to LA Community uh, uh, LA uh, Unified School District when it was actually pretty good. But it's still the new F word. You can't say it. And when somebody says it, you're going to stand up. So what are some of the things you can do? Let's say you're not ready yet. So what are some of the things you can do to stand up to make a difference? Well, CNBC has a great article. I love researching and reading these things. And, and uh, Fox Business has amazing articles and stories and books. And Robert Kiyosaki is one of my heroes. You go through and you say, okay, what is it that wealthy people have done to get wealthy so that you can get to the place where you can make a difference and ask yourself, I'm not hurting my family. I'm not going to hurt it, our financial well-being. I'm not going to create a problem anywhere. I'm just going to create a life where I make a difference. Well, number one. Self-made millionaires, they're constantly learning. So if you are done working in your career field, but you have a hobby or a secondary place that you made a little extra money on the side or, or something that was interesting to you, you always have to learn. And unfortunately today, because they're playing the news, I don't know if you know, did you see that there was a, a, a jewelry store robbery in Memphis, Tennessee? Oh, oh wait, there's a car chase in Plano, Texas. Oh, there's a protest in Oregon. And you're in Southern California looking around going, the world's falling to pieces. I want you to stop watching those things. It doesn't matter to you what happens in 95% of the news stories. It honestly doesn't. Whether there's a car chase or racial problem in Duke University, which by the way, all of those are turning out to be false. You know that. All of those are turning out to be false. The BYU... Uh, uh, Fans were supposedly chanting something a horrific lie. Some of the best people you'll ever find in your life are the Mormon LDS community, by the way. Just saying. And to think that a crowd of them, uh, maybe one dumb kid might say something, but I can tell you the people around them, they're used to standing up for what's right. The Mormon community, the LDS community stands up. So maybe somebody said something once sometime, but listen, I'm going to tell you. When I was in high school, 
And by the way, I'm not I'm not Mormon, but well, just just for a record, uh, when I was in high school, I had friends that were because we were all smart enough to stay in the honors classes. We liked our family. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I kind of liked my parents, and I didn't curse. So, who am I going to hang out with? So I decided. So we were in the same honors classes, and one kid, as somebody else would would use uh, God's name in vain, they would say uh, Jesus's name and, and curse and, and say things. He was the only one that stood up. And guess what? He was a Mormon kid. Randy would stand up and he said, hey, hey, you need to stop saying that. That's my Lord and Savior. It's like, whoa. Now, I wasn't a Christian at the time, so I didn't understand it. But I admired him for having that courage. I'm talking about 11th grade. I mean, you could do the math. What is that? 16, 17 years old? So 40 years ago? And I remember it like it was yesterday. In fact, I can even tell you what Randy was wearing that day. Because to me, he was a hero. He stood up for his faith. And that kid stopped. Never said it around to him, at least anymore, that I know of. So my point is, you can stand up. Now, what do people say? Everybody comes around you, and at first, everybody's like, Oh, I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying anything. You don't say anything. And then when somebody does, everybody goes, Yeah, that's right. And you ask yourself, Well, where were you guys just a minute ago? Well, I want you to continually learn because then you can debate these crazies. You can. If you want to have some psychological uh, event and think that you're Ronald Reagan or, or have a psychological event and run around and say that you're, you're John Lennon from the Beatles, you know, talking to yourself in MacArthur Park, fine. But I'm not required to pay to listen to you Play music. I'm not required to buy this crazy guy's album, uh, you know, with his shorts around his ankles and in, in, in the park. Why? Well, what are you thinking? And yet you're participating in the guy who says he's a girl. And then you get mad at the girls when they say, I don't want to dress in front of a guy. And you fathers out there, what, what kind of courage again did you have? Oh, nothing. Because you're allowing your kids, because you say, well, it's so they could get into a better college. What, so they can be surrounded by this baloney once again? Learn to be a self-made millionaire, so a self-made person, rather, financially speaking, so that you can continue to learn. And you become wealthy. And listen. Listen to the other arguments so you can be prepared to debate them. Self-made people also build great teams. Here's what I mean by that. When you come to our office... Our job is to keep your money safe. It's to remove it from market risk. Even if it's come down quite a bit, even if you're down 15, 20, 25%, you realize it's impossible to lose 50% of your money until you first lose 20% of your money. When a friend of mine shared that with me a few weeks back, I thought, well, that's brilliant. Meaning it's never too late to get out. Oh, you're going to lock in your losses. What, you have a crystal ball? Is it going to come back in two years, five years, ten years? When? Or you can go from 1955 or so to 1985, and the market was sideways the whole time, meaning if you needed it to live on, you the market went down after the big bubble of World War II, all the men and women were returning, and houses were going up in farmlands all across America. And then we had a bubble that burst, and a recession, a pretty good one, in fact. And the market lasted for decades in this sideways move, up, down, up, down, up, down. Well, what if you wanted to retire within that 15 or 20 or 30 year period of time? 
With us, you go up when the market goes up, you earn some interest. And if it goes down, you don't lose anything. If it goes up, you make some money. And if it goes down, you stay the same. Well, Eric, I've heard about annuities and I don't know why, but I hate them. Oh, my kids, I had this recently. My kids, uh, they hate annuities. Well, why? Well, because they say they're expensive. Great. Ours don't cost anything. Well, they, you, it's risky. No, not with us because you don't lose a penny. You see, often the bad rap of annuities is the variable annuity world. And with that, folks, I agree. I'm not a fan of having your money in a place where you pay a fee so that then there's a wrapper, an insurance company wrapper on top of it, and they pay a fee. I'm not a fan of a product that you can lose money and pay a fee for the privilege of losing money. You see, your Wall Street brokers, your your financial professionals, they still get paid. I had to make a choice in 2008, nine, when I saw that collapse and clients were coming in, I said, we're just not going to do this anymore because your financial advisor learns verbal jujitsu in order to contact, to, uh, confront, to handle your conversations and rebuttals. When you come and say, well, the market has lost my money. What about my retirement Eric? if this is my life savings? Oh, don't worry. Wait, flip. There you go. Page 17. Don't worry. The market always comes back. But Eric, if I'm scared, page two, uh, everybody loses money sometimes. Page six. I mean, you get it? It's all the same story. You see, if your financial professional didn't tell you last summer, last fall, last winter, this January, this March, or last month, if they've never told you to sell, when are they going to tell you to sell? I, I don't know the answer to that. Probably never. I mean, if they haven't so far, because you realize they can't charge a fee unless your money is at risk of being lost. You see, if you're a constant learner about things, you'll get a chance to realize, wait a second, there's many, many places I can put my retirement money. And there's very, very few tax benefits by having your money at risk in the retirement, says my CPA friends. Here's what they say. Hey, Arif, did you know that if your retirement account is in the market and it goes backwards, you cannot deduct that on your income tax? Now, if, if you sold this house, or this building, this, this car, and you put that in the market and the market goes backwards and you sold it, well, you can deduct that on your taxes. But if it's under the wrapper, under this umbrella of an IRA or 401k or 403b, any of those retirement, nope, sorry, can't write that off on your, mar, on your, on your income taxes. And the fees that you pay inside of that retirement account, they, took, they pull them right from your account so that you don't forget, right? It's not like they're calling you, hey, you better pay us. Yeah, but, but ma'am, I just lost $20,000. I know, but we, we have to get paid. You would never pay them. You would say, forget it. This is crazy. So instead, what do they do? They pull it from your account directly without you even you know, knowing. I'm, okay, yeah, you signed something 14 years ago when you opened the account, but nobody remembers. And, you, and it's in small writing and it's used big verbiages and it's over in the corner. And then all the rules are written on the back in light, light gray or this tannish brown, small six point font. And in legalese, you understand that they do that on purpose. Your financial professional, they might be lovely people. They do this on 
purpose. They know that if they put it on one piece of paper that said, this is what you put in, this is what it's worth today, and this is what it costs you to get there. And I don't mean percentage, right, where they use the dollars that you made. You put in 100000 it's worth 160 right? They're using dollars there, and then they'll use percentages when it's their fee. It's only one and a quarter percent. And you go, huh, I made $60,000 for one and a quarter. No, 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 sir. No, ma'am. If you're going to, ready for this, if you're going to use dollars for my gains, then you need to use dollars for my costs. This is what I put in. This is what it's worth. And it costs you an added up because you're giving me the addition of my growth, right? You're, you're adding up all these years of growth and calling it 160,000. Well, then you need to count, add up all of the costs. What are my fees? What are my expenses? All of these years, you add them up. And what are they? And then you say, okay, I like this deal. It cost me $10,000 to make 60. I love it. I'll do it again. You don't say, well, it cost me $80,000 to make 60,000. I saw that last week. Yeah, that was fun. It cost her $80,000. She's at $260,000 and it cost her $80,000 in fees and costs to make 60. Can you tell me who's really working for who? Right? The broker was on vacation. We tried to call the broker was out of town. Where? Well, he's on vacation. He's at his kids, something to do with his kids. Wonderful. I think that's a great thing. But while he was gone, he was still making money. She was concerned because the market's dropping. He's out making money, more money than she's making, enjoying his time with his kids, not worried about her account one bit. Why? Because he never called and said, oh, by the way, you should probably sell. Because if you go from risk to safety with most financial professionals, sorry, we don't charge a fee. So you think they're going to make a living? Nope. Your money has to be at risk of being lost in order for them to make a living. So ask yourself this, what else are self-made millionaires doing where they have the freedom and the choice to stand up for what's right? Well, when I say they're building a team, that means their CPA, their financial advisor, their insurance professional, their tax attorney, their corporate attorney, whatever it is that you need on your team. And yes, it's going to cost a little bit of money. And at the beginning, maybe you don't need all those people, but you do need always a financial professional and a tax preparer, enrolled agent, CPA, somebody to handle that side of the equation. We are not a tax preparer. I'm not a CPA. The ideas that I give you in the tax world is to go and bring that up to your tax professional. Now, at the same time, if they don't ever get to the place where they have a conversation with you about this, then I want you to do one thing and say it's probably time to find another tax professional. Because in most cases you're probably in a place where you've just kind of outlived, they've outlived their usefulness. So you have to ask yourself, why are, are successful financial uh, people, right? Millionaires, billionaires, multimillionaires. How and why do they make their own luck? Well, they do so by working hard. I want you to play. I want you to have fun. You're supposed to. That's kind of the downtime. I want you to prioritize your health. Right? This whole safety movement, 
right? They've already tried it, by the way. Let me back up. This whole safety movement, remember, it's about your safety and seatbelts, helmets and the speed limit, 55 miles an hour. Why not 56? Did you ask yourself that? Why not 54 miles an hour? Why 55? Why not 65 and a half or 67? How did they come up with 65? 65 is good. More people are going to die at 66. And if that's okay, then why aren't we all going 40 miles an hour all the time, everywhere? Because I think it's about control and manipulation. The federal government jumped involved and said, we're going to remove highway safety funds, highway transportation, uh, remodeling and rebuilding and, and new roads and bridges. We're going to remove all those funds from you if you don't play by our set of rules, which means Roads and bridges will not get done because the federal government takes money from everybody and then it controls how it hands it back out. So just don't take it from people. That's a good idea. So these states were stuck having to put in speed limits that didn't matter, that had to put in uh, helmet laws that didn't matter. You see, this push and pull between state and federal has gone on since Jefferson and Hamilton and and George Washington were all debating the role of the federal government, the executive branch. It was always something. And it seems like if you're a state representative, you have one set of rules. And, and the defunct, incompetent, 100% useless California Republican Party. Yeah, useless. I mean, the Democrat Party, they don't even have to spend any money in California. The Republicans have figured out how to be an incredibly incompetent and yet still raise money. Well, how do you say that, Arif? How do you know that? It's very simple. What It's been a decade and we haven't, the, the Republicans haven't won one, one race in the state, right? And when, when Schwarzenegger beat uh, the, uh, on the recall, right, Gray Davis, and he tried to pass a couple of rules, a couple of laws, and the Democrats came to him and threatened him threatened him and said, we're going to shut down the government if you don't. Instead of standing up for courage, he said, all right, this is a pretty easy job. He built his little cabana outside of the executive office in Sacramento and started smoking cigars. The Republican amazing, right? Some of them amazing people. The Republican leadership in the state of California is incompetent because their job is not to raise money, which seems to be that's all they're doing. Their job is to win elections to impact the state in a positive way to keep people from fleeing. So maybe you're the person to run for that local office, the state assembly. Maybe you're the person to go after the Democrat incumbent state senator in your area and say maybe it's time to get him or her out. You learn the, learn the issues, debate, have some... Uh, common sense behind you. I mean, it almost seems like you can, you can do it that way. Look, because when they said it's about health, remember that? Then they said, oh, symbolism over substance. We're going to put the calories next to the menu items at your favorite fast food. So that hamburger, that big Mac Whopper, uh, In-N-Out, whatever it is, that hamburger is going to have the calories next to it. And then the French fries. Ooh, we're going to put the calories next to the French fries. And we're going to have on the corner, you see that over there on the, on the side there, in that little trifold at four-point font with these charts, and you just kind of bloop, 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 roll out this piece of paper. And it's semi-gloss. 
and it has pictures and it has calories, calories per day. What if you add ketchup? What if you don't add ketchup? What if you have a little bit of mustard? Okay, what's the calorie count? And they put that there so that they can say, see, we care about your health. And instead of actually teaching you, here's the substance part, instead of teaching you what the calories actually mean and the difference between carbohydrate calories and protein calories and how much you should have and on and on, they check a box and say, you see that? We put it on this big menu that we spent all this money on. Now they just put televisions up there where they just program the TV so they don't have to redo the menus anymore. And you see that? We just program that in and woof, we just notified the public and now they will eat healthy and now they will feel like we're listening to them and the reality is you just cost the restaurant more money you just cost the restaurant more money to keep that thing over in the corner you gave the regulatory agencies another way to fine you as a business owner to chase you out of the state to make it so that you don't have a choice but you have to comply or else we will fine you. The same thing that nobody pays attention to, that nobody watches, that nobody looks at on the screen. You know, it's an interesting thing. Where else do you see symbolism over substance? Right? I, I see it when you when you go to the, you've heard me say the uh, Prop 65 warnings. There's not chemicals known to the state of California to cause cancer. And And yet, what's the substance? The substance is it really doesn't make a difference if you put those signs up. It's only for the lawyers. It really doesn't make a difference to the citizens. Because if you're a pregnant lady, I believe state law still says that even if they have no bathroom available to the public, sorry, we're a gas station, sorry, we're a restaurant, no, no bathroom available to the public. If you're a handicapped or you're a pregnant lady, guess what? You get to use the restroom. No Publicly open business can deny a restroom for a pregnant lady, pregnant lady, or I believe a handicapped person as well, or disabled, whatever, I don't know, physically challenged, whatever the freedom, like, as if the words matter, right? Symbolism, it's the same person, folks. It's a human being that, in God's image, and we're going to dress it up so we don't hurt feelings. Stay with me after the break. Your emails, two amazing emails. One of them I think you'll find fascinating, and you'll see why. 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. I'm Eric Hallaby. Stay with me after the break. We'll be right back. I'll retire comfortably, thanks to Arif Hallaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halabi. About financial power, the total financial hour. Now, hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. 
thanks for joining me. If you're new to the show, hey, I'm Eric Hallaby, the Total Financial Hour, talking about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money. Welcome to the second hour of the show. We're going to talk about your emails. I've got a couple of interesting emails today, and you can keep them coming. I love to see your emails. I love to hear what you're having to say. Uh, some of you come into my office and we discuss it there. I love it as well because it really opens up of well, what is happening, what's the common thought process when it comes to retirement and wealth and money and savings. It's not about just a lecture from somebody on our side of the aisle, right? It's a lecture uh, about common sense. It's an opportunity to learn what is impacting other people. And I believe most of you are in a position to maybe learn a little bit. And that's why you're listening to the show. So I appreciate you being here and, and learn from the show. All right, listen, this is the next part uh, that I think you need to pay attention to when it comes to retirement. And that is your social security statement. So many of us misread it. We're not sure what it means or how to read it. And that's where this came from. Uh, where it really came uh, to play, it's Allison. And let me get his name here. Jared. All right. Interesting. Allison and Jared. Okay. Here's what we got from Allison and Jared. Dear Arif, I'm 63 years old and my wife is 62. We are in the final stages of planning our retirement when we were told that our social security checks would be 2,900 for me and 2,100 for my wife for a total of nearly $5,000 a month. It turns out it's going to be far less than that, about 3,200 a month. We thought we read our social security statements correctly, but it turns out that we were wrong. We need that extra $1,800 a month to live a comfortable life in retirement. We have stopped our retirement plans uh, from going backwards by moving it into safety, yet we still uh, feel very confused. We're not sure who to believe or what to do next. We also have about 800000 sitting in our retirement accounts, not earning any interest anymore, but over $400,000 in savings and money market accounts, earning even less. I do have a small pension of $1,900 a month. We have rental property that brings in around $2,000 a month net. Can you help us get to that $9,000 per month that we need to have for a comfortable retirement? That's Allison and Jared or Jared and Allison. All right. Why this matters, guys, is this. On your Social Security statement, you're going to see different numbers. One of them is age 62. Now, if you're past age 62, it's going to say what you would receive if you started it now, which might be 63 or 64. So the first number is generally age 62. The next is called an FRA or a full retirement age. And the third number is age 70, 70. So let me give you a little bit of background here. Social security takes 35 years of your highest earning years. So it's not 35 in a row. It's not a 35 year run rate. It's 35 of your highest years. They put them all in a bucket and divide by it. And there's a formula that they get to. So if you have some zeros in there, right? If you have some zeros in your social security because you worked for a different agency or you were self-employed, maybe you uh, were young and you didn't work for a year because you saved up money or you were on unemployment, whatever it might be, disability. Every year that you work past age 63, 64, in other words, even after you're eligible to collect Social Security, but you're still working, it replaces one of those zeros. So, for example, if you make 
$25,000 a year working part-time when you're 64 years old, but 14 years ago you had a zero, that zero drops off, and that 20, 25,000, 30,000, whatever it is that you make is added to your formula. Now, one year doesn't make an enormous difference, but 10%, three and a half years, right? Or 15% or 20%, meaning if you had four, five, six, seven years where you're replacing a zero and adding a big number, replacing a zero, adding a big number, then of your 35 years, if a majority of that is a pretty high number, you're going to see your social security check be much higher. You'll in fact see it substantially higher if you can do at least four years. And it's not just four years where you're making a dollar. I mean, you have to make 30, 40, 50, 60,000. You have to make a substantial amount to, to move that zero off and the impact of the new number. And here's the good news. Even if you're working while you're collecting social security, right? You're working part-time at age 68. You're working part... You'll, you can actually see every couple of years your Social Security will go up, not because of the pay raises that the benevolent Joe Biden has given to you through his inflationary proceedings, but through a very simple process of you just putting more money into Social Security. Because even though you're working and even though you're collecting Social Security, you're still putting in to Social Security. You see, you can go back 17 years on the radio. You can go back and I said, here's how they're going to solve the debt crisis in debt. Now we're 31. And what I said was simple. They're going to have to A, inflate the currency so that the money that they owe you in Social Security is worth a lot less. I always said that. Number two, they're going to have to raise taxes on those that are working. They have to. It's just, it, it's the same thing they're going to do to your pension. I mean, think of your pension and Social Security in the same how-do-we-solve-it problem. Well, we have to inflate the currency. So your $1,900 pension, Jared, is not going to be worth a whole lot. I mean, it's nice, but it isn't the same as it would have been 10 years ago. So they have to inflate the currency. But here's what happened to you guys. I did some math. I looked back up in it, and here's what happened. You guys were looking at the wrong age on your Social Security statement. But have what you receive at age 67, not age 62. And so what happens is it's going to be lower. It increases about 8% per year for every year that, that you don't touch it. You don't start income. So, for example, if you start income at age 62, then it starts at whatever it is at a discounted number. And it's that, it's that rate for the rest of your life. It goes up a little bit but you never get back all that extra money. If you wait another year, you can see approximately an 8% increase in your check. So if it was $1,000 at 62, at age 63, it'd be 1,080. And then it goes up about 8% compounding year after year after year. So if you wait till as long as your FRA, your full retirement age, then the calculation Social Security did, well, that gives you about the number. It says you're going to receive, well, in Jared's case, let's see if I have it. Yeah, about right in the neighborhood of, neighborhood of about $2,500 a month. So your full retirement age is actually going to be about $2,500 a month for you. That's not bad. But guess what? If you both wait 
till age 70, it's going to be a lot more than the 5,000. So is that something I recommend? No, it is not. No, it is not. You see, currently Social Security is slated to run out of the ability to pay 100% of its obligations by age 2034. Now, it was 2034, then they re- reduced it down to 2033, and then they believe that we think it's going to actually go back up to 2034. I think it's going to be in 2032. I think that's the number, that's the year in which they will no longer have the funds to pay a a 100% of what they owe you. Meaning, if you were supposed to receive $2,000 a month, because last month you got 2000 and we get to 2032, 2033, somewhere in there. Up, oh, sorry, your check is now not 2,000 a month; it's 1,400 a month. That's the current railroad tracks. That's the current pathway that we're on. The only way to deviate from that is if Congress and the president stand up and make a difference. But whenever either side of them tries to fix it, right? They tried to do this 20 years ago. Yeah, we can fix it. It was very, very small, tiny changes 20 years ago. And when one side tried it, the other side called them, you know, pushing granny off the cliff. Remember, Harry Reid is such a dishonest human being. Such a dishonest. It's a shame that they named that airport after him. He lied, and he knew that he lied about Mitt Romney not paying his taxes. He knew it. And he said it. He just said it out there, and, and all of a sudden... That the liberal media ran with it. Well, he did the same thing about Social Security. Talks about, oh, uh, in order to fix it, you guys are you're going to push Granny off the cliff. And they had you know somebody who dressed like Paul Ryan pushing Granny in a wheelchair off of the Grand Canyon. And, and so my point is, when one side tries to solve it, it doesn't matter the side. The other side will say things like, "You're trying to take away Grandma's." only source of income. So they both don't do anything. And then it gets worse and worse and worse. That's why my point to you is from a courageous standpoint is you have to stand up. You have to actually go to these places and say, no, men, women, we elected you to fix this. Not to blame the other person about something about nothing. You have to fix it. So I want you to focus on this for a second, guys, uh, because here's the way that we solve Jared and Allison's problem. Number one, Allison, I want you to start your social security check right away. You're 62 years old now. You start yours now. You might say, but Arif, all that money we're going to lose. Well, here's why. We're going to wait for Jared's until he's age 70. Now, I know you guys want to retire now, so I've got a solution for that. But if we start Allison's today, it's going to be the lower amount for sure. And we wait till Jared's until age 70 because when he passes away, or you pass away, Allison, either one of you, you only get to keep the higher of the two. So basically, we're counting on, if you do the math, in your case, guys, both of you are going to have to live till age 82 for it to have been better for us to wait to start both of your Social Security checks at age 70. So I think you're going to want to spend the money now. I think you can do things and live life and have a, a wonderful way to spend money, right? You're going to spend more money now. I mean, certainly you're going to spend more later with, with health insurance, but I have a solution for that as well. And what I'd like to do is to have you guys be in a position to where you wait for Jared's 
and you start yours. Now, here's another feature that Social Security has. Let's say you guys started it and you're like, oh man, we started it six months ago. It's too late. No, it isn't. You have one year to do a do-over with Social Security. That means you can say, oops, I started too soon. I want to change my mind. Social Security says, no problem. Pay us back everything we gave you and we'll take it from here. And then they act as if they do this hand washing. Nope. We're going to act as if we started all over. So now Social Security sits off to the side and continues to grow as if you never touched it because you pay back whatever you took out. You had to do it within a year and you can start all over again. So if you started it by accident or let's say you started it not knowing you were going to get this cool new job and it's a high paying job and you don't need Social Security anymore and you want it to go uh, to grow, then pay that money back. You walk into the Social Security office, date and time of who you speak with. And this, by the way, is all the time. Whenever you go to the Social Security office or the IRS or anybody, date and time who you spoke with. And I would even do a little description, male, black, beard, mustache female, Asian, right? Approximate age, whatever it is. That's just the policeman and me making sure nobody can say, no, you didn't. You didn't arrive. You didn't go here. All right. And so by doing that, here's what we do. The pension that you have. Okay. So your wife is going to be $1,200 a month. The rent is 2000 and the pension is 1900. That means you'll have coming in about $5,100 a month. We're going to park the ability. We're going to push off Jared's Social Security check until age 70. Now, by age 70, you're looking right around $3,300 a month. That's a big number, Jared. I like that. I like that we're able to push that off so far to the future. But here's what we do. We take $500,000 of your retirement money and we put it in a fixed indexed annuity. No fees, no risk of loss to the market. We use the free income rider. That's why there's no fees. There's an income rider that comes to it for free, which means you get a higher payout if you're going to take it in a monthly check, which is, by the way, the way you're supposed to take retirement accounts anyway, is, is systematically, monthly or quarterly or whatever you want to do. Now, in about five years or so from now, maybe a little more, plus or minus, depending on the market, that $5,000 a month, sorry, $500,000 in, uh, in fixed index annuity, that should give you right around $2,500 a month. All right, so my point is, we push the assets, we move the pieces of the puzzle around. And you guys will get over $9,000 a month starting today but we need to move some of your money to safety. And the most important part of this formula is some of your, your emergency money, that 400,000, we can buy ourselves a hybrid life insurance policy. Now that has costs and fees in it, but you're buying something, a long-term care plan built into it called critical illness, chronic illness riders. You're building it to get tax-free money for your spouse. So maybe I would take half of it. I don't know, maybe a little less, something like that. Push it to the future so that you have tax-free money later on. But I do want you to ask your CPA about managing this account. How are you going to take money out of these accounts? What is it impact? What is the impact on your Social Security? What is the impact if you're going to work part-time? Because you might want to work part-time, guys. 
I have seen this over and over again. Folks say, I am done. I am never working again. I'm happy not being an employee. And eight months later, and probably 20 pounds later, (laughs) you look in the mirror or you get an offer or your old boss calls and says he started a new company and he needs you. Or they, they have this new project and they need you. Right? Whether it's Boeing, whether it's Northrop, whether it's Disney, UPS. I saw this with the UPS uh, driver this week. He said, listen, I'm, I'm probably going to go back to work because they're short drivers for the holidays. So I might go back to work if they need me. I said, well, what do you do? He goes, oh, I just work. It's, you don't get any more money towards your pension. And he might work you know, part-time shifts or stay active, stay busy. So I want you to think about this. You guys have, uh, Jared, you guys have $800,000 in retirement accounts. I would move that around to get some to give you lifetime income. Some I want you to systematically withdraw to stay just below the next tax bracket. You see, that's what's missing a lot. Is financial professionals go, you make all this money, you get all this money, and then you give half of it to the government. Instead of saying, oh, you make all this money, wait, but there's a lot less. Yep but you keep all of it. Oh, well then I actually net more money in my pocket. Yes, you do. Because so many times people forget that by waiting till age 70 on social security for the highest of the two, that's like getting a built in pay raise each and every year. And with inflation running at more than 8%, we need all we can get. And because I think in the end, this president is not going to be there one year from now. I don't. I mean, I honestly believe that he's going to be, he's going to step down, whether it's the Hunter Biden laptop deal. All they're doing is buying time for two years and two minutes so that Kamala Harris gets herself two full terms plus two years of President Biden's. That's a 10 year term. Uh, That's Franklin Roosevelt style of impact, right? Because if they phonied up the election the first time, oh, you're election denier. No, Stacey Abrams and I agree. Yep. Yep. We were the same. We think the election was rigged. Oh, wait, she's talking about Georgia when she lost. She's an election denier. Why, why isn't anybody talking about her? Oh, because she's a female of color, whatever that means. If you get a tan, are you a female of color? Uh, what is this? Everybody's their race? When are you going to stand up and say, this is racist, guys? I want you to start calling the left when you see it. A racist. Right? right? Because now you guys are impacting my social security check. Now you're impacting my, the inflation. So I used to make a lot of money in social security, says a retiree. And now I can barely pay for my food each month. So yes, it impacts you, even if you're retired. Because the, the method that they use to quote equity, equity, it's about equity. Whatever that means, it's a made-up word, and it's a made-up result. Because one human being, you think it's, yeah, it's not, it's not equity for me, because I didn't become president, and a mixed-race guy by the name of President Obama, half white, half black, did. What kind of advantage did he have that I didn't? I didn't get into uh, the universities that he got into. So what kind of advantage did he have? Nothing. He worked harder than I did. He cared about it. I didn't. It had nothing to do with his race or who his parents were or weren't. It has to do with what? 
He just played by the rules. In school, he went by the name of Barry, right? Ocasio-Cortez went by the word, the name of Sandy. When it was convenient, they played one game. When it's convenient, they play the victim game. I think you have to ask yourself, who's going to be the first black president in the United States? I actually think it's probably going to be on the Republican side. Just saying. I'm not sure who it is. I mean, I thought it was going to be somebody at one point, but, but he backed out. I don't know who it might be. I think Clarence Thomas would have been, would have been a great president. Uh, he chose a different path. Wonderful. That's fine. I think he's made an enormous impact on the court. But these people that are in office do, will, and have impacted your financial life on an ongoing basis through their inflationary uh, policies. So here's what we do. How do we beat this inflationary world? Well, number one, I want you to consolidate where you live. You have to think twice about it. Gasoline is now $2.50 less in most of the country than it is in California. $2.50 less per gallon. Now, what that means is that the poor and the lower middle class are the ones that suffer. Upper middle class, the wealthy, they don't even pay attention to it. They just swipe their card and go. They don't look at the increase in sales tax. They don't look in the increase in income tax. They just go. It doesn't matter to them like it does to the poor. But the politicians need to control the ones that can speak the loudest. So you make sure they can't go very far. They're not mobile. Right? It's the same thing China does. If you try to go to Beijing, look, this is fascinating. I've been to Beijing three times. 08, 10, and 16. 2008, 16, and 2010. And here's what was fascinating to me. Beijing is considered like rings, right? A center ring, and then it goes further out. The, the capital is in the center, and all the Communist Party headquarters, all of those things are in one place, uh, just like you would have like the center of Washington, D.C., for example. And then there are rings that go out. Think of like big lifesavers or hula hoops, and they continue to go out, 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 out. And depending on how wealthy you are, what your political stature is. It's how close you live towards the center. And then based on your license plate in your car, and there are cameras everywhere, automatic, automated things, on certain days of the week, you're allowed to take your car and move and go closer to the Capitol. But you still need to go to work in an office building that's next door or within the, the third zone, but you can only travel to the sixth zone. So wherever you live, you drive your car, you park in a parking lot in the sixth zone, on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and you have to take a shuttle or public transportation or walk into the third zone. And that's how you go to work every day. Oh, the other days, you can get a little closer. And the other days, sorry, you can't. How they control and manipulate you is the same thing. When all of a sudden, Elon Musk and, his, and, and Tesla can turn on the camera and the microphone in your car, have you thought about that? Now, I don't think Elon's a bad guy. I don't think he's a great guy. I, I think he's a good guy. I think he's courageous. That's the, those are, are words I would use for, for him. I, I don't know him enough to, to see he's a great guy. I do like the things that he's doing, where he's standing up and he calls Twitter a bunch of baloney, uh, you know, hypocrites. So I like that. I think that's a wise thing he's doing. 
But it doesn't mean he should have the power to turn on a microphone or shut my car off. Or the next time I shut it off, not let it start by sending a software update over the the Wi-Fi network. It's the reason I didn't buy a Tesla. I think they're amazing automobiles. Not just a little bit. I think they're incredible cars. But I'm not interested in giving up that level of my privacy where some 26-year-old kid somewhere on a big screen TV can look at it and see where Arif is driving and all of a sudden I, I said something or did something where the regime doesn't like it and a subpoena comes in and, and they shut my car down. Now I know, listen, my wife thinks, oh really, you're, you're that important, Arif? No, I don't think I'm that important. I just think someday they're going to say, sorry, your cars can't go in to this zone and we can shut them off and we can keep you from allowing yourself to go past this neighborhood or this street or get on the freeway. It already happens right now in China through the camera systems and through the ability for them to control by looking at your, your license plate. Look, if, if you make a mistake in China, they come knocking on your door. If you make a mistake here, they just take your bank account. Oh, wait, and they come knocking on your door with a bunch of SWAT guys in, in uh, gear. Ask President Trump. That was a very bold move. That's one of those coup attempts Right, you read about in ancient Rome where everything is fine and there's whisper, 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 and then boom. They lay their cards on the table. It's full speed ahead. Everybody is everybody. You know whose things are, right? The Nazis did it in the Kristallnacht, right, where they went out and they, there were the two rival groups that were going after each other that both of them supported uh, um, Hitler, right? When they went after President Trump, you think you're any safer? That's a me message. So I ask you this. You guys need to build your wealth. I like multiple streams of income. I like two, three, four. Realistically, if you can get me five stream, uh, streams of income that are not coordinating, I like it. That turns you into a place, uh, a person, where nobody can mess with you the same way. If you only have one job and everything's coming from one job, boom, you're fired one day. Why? Well, because you said something bad to the boss. Remember those days? Now it's the free speech against the government. We have to protect that. Three, four sources of income. Five is great. I like your rental property. I like your ability to have money coming from a pension. Uh, Jared and Allison, I like your ability to have Social Security. Nothing's all counting on the same place. All right, important stuff. Stay with me after the break. Another email. This one is specific. It's about two folks that decided to never have children and how are they going to build for their wealth, protection, in their retirement years when we come back. Total Financial Solutions, TFS Financial Insurance Services. I'm Eric Hallaby. This is the Total Financial Hour, 888 retire Stay with me. We'll be right back. Strategy, I'll retire comfortably. Thanks to Arab Halaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arab makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now hire 
Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. I'm your pal, Lee. Total Financial Hour. Talking about your family's finances, of course. Getting out of debt. Managing money. Planning for your future. And this is our email segment. And I want to talk to you about a, a couple of things. What I'm seeing that's pretty common, and you guys don't realize this, more and more I see this, uh, and maybe you're seeing it in your circle. Okay, so if you are, that's a big deal. Uh, it's that I'm seeing a lot of professional women, single women, in their 60s and 70s that have not decided to get married ever, have children ever, and they've just lived a life counting on themselves. And the point is, I want you to realize in this process of doing this, it's a bit of a different financial plan. You have to go through, you have to ask yourself, what am I doing? How do I protect our wealth? How do I make sure that I can live comfortably when I have medical issues? Right? Because a lot of us don't realize that it's your family that cares for you. It's your children, your grandchildren. It's your spouse. And especially the older we get, we're less likely to be around people that we've grown up our whole life because they passed away or they've moved to a facility or a home or an assisted living. So a lot of you don't realize that that's a big concern. And in return, we have to plan differently. But for some reason, I've, it's been a big deal. Uh, and, and we specialize in it in the sense that I'm, I know exactly how to handle it. We know how to build that properly. So if you're a female, that have, uh, a lady that's never uh, had children, never been married, or at least not married for any length of time, how do we build a plan? How do we protect you from an income strategy standpoint? right? How do we protect that? So we have a solution for you. All right. So check out our next email. This is pretty important. Uh, most of you don't realize that there are professionals who, whose life it was dedicated, whose life is dedicated to specifically their career. And then they're done. We had a gentleman who, who collected coins. He was a numismatist. Numis, <laughs> A numismatic specialist, I guess, is that right? A, new, a coin specialist who, who knew things about coins that most of us never understood, like ancient coins, where they were, uh, what's the difference between some of the phony ones and the good ones out there. So, uh, And yet in his life, he's created multiple sources of income for his wife. So what do you do when... He passes away and his wife doesn't have any children. They don't have any kids. How do they plan for the next phase of their life? All right, so here's a good email that I want to share with you. Dear Arif, my husband and I are both professionals and in our late 60s. We will both retire this next year and are unclear on what we need to budget for in our lifestyle. We've never lived on a budget before and we've never been extravagant. We just don't know about how much we spend each month. We're going to wait to start our social security checks until we both turn age 70. They are nearly the same amount, but mine is slightly higher. We are sure we will move out of California, but just not sure where. We have no children and all of our close family and many friends have passed away. So our long-term health is also a concern to us. We enjoy the outdoors, hiking and biking and even water sports. We are both very fit. We have over $3 million in cash and savings and are more concerned about outliving our money and the taxes along the way. Our home is paid off and our mountain home is also paid off. Our savings is about $900,000 and our, our retirement savings rather is about $900,000 and we feel like 
Let me back up. That's their savings account is $900,000. Their retirement is $3 million. Savings account is $900,000. All right. We feel like we could live with just our Social Security income, but we're not sure. How do we know for sure? Can you help? All right. Here's why I'm pretty particular about this, because I'm going to segment the dollars into pre-tax and post-tax money. The savings account, the 900, has already been taxed. Therefore, when you take money out to live on it, it doesn't impact your income taxes, as opposed to withdrawing from your Social Security check, a portion of that is taxable, as opposed to having your uh, IRA or retirement 401k money, that's taxable. Those things make a huge difference. And I don't think people realize that if you don't plan properly, you might as well pull out less money from your savings account and live the same way because you're not going to end up having to pay taxes on that money. It's already there. Now, on the earnings, you would. So we have a solution for that as well. When you come in, we'll go over it with you. Here's what I want you to do. Since you guys are retiring next year, a lot of us are going to slow down or work less or whatever it might be in the next year or two or three as you gear up for retirement, then here's what you do. You budget by looking at the last three months of your spending. Now, for most people, they never really budget. If you, in your guys' position, look, this is generally what happens. You have enough money. You don't know what comes in and goes out. You, you're not working for dollars anymore, obviously. Your savings account is substantial. Your retirement accounts are substantial. So you're working because you enjoy it, and it's something to do, and there's a purpose. You've heard me say this, guys, over and over again. The purpose matters. All right, here's what we do. The last three months of your spending, I want you to take and look to see what you've spent. Making sure you're still enjoying life. Food, shelter, clothing, travel, insurance, all of those things still have to be involved in your life. Now, if you don't, many of you go, gosh, I can't go backwards or all the little, you know, my coffee shop visits and my car or gasoline and auto repairs and whatever it is that you did. So here's what you do instead. You look back the last three months, three months ago, And you say, what was the budget, or sorry, what was the balance of my savings account? And if your savings account balance, let's just say is $100,000, it's been three months, okay? $100,000 three months ago. And today the balance of your savings account is $112,000. We know that each month on average, we put in $4,000 a month. So you guys are earning a substantial income. But if $4,000 a month is going into your savings and it's growing, then whatever your net, your take-home pay is, you just remove that $4,000 a month. And that allows you to budget and know that, in fact, what comes in, you're spending all of it minus what goes into your savings. It's a rough way to get a budget together without this crazy 16 pages and you got to swipe your debit card at every little event and then you catalog it with the software program and then you got to go backwards and you adjust for whatever. Forget that craziness. How much came in? What did you put in your savings account? The difference is your actual expenses. Okay? Simple enough. By doing that, it also gets the ability for you to say, do I want to live the same in retirement? If you do then that's exactly what we do. We just, we just spend that same money. All right, here's where it, it, it changes. Ready for this, guys? I want one of you, him. I want David's social security check to start the day you guys retire. 
You can you just got to go to Social Security office about two months in advance, two, two and a half months in advance. Say, OK, on the first of whatever month is when I want to start taking out my Social Security check. All right. Very important. Because with yours being higher, when one of you passes away, just like I mentioned earlier, you're going to lose the lower of the two Social Security check. So, Marilyn, we take yours and we turn it on and that's it. Yours is the highest of the two. By being the highest of the two, it's the one that we wait the longest for. All right. The other part of it that's simple is once we know what your budget is, and long-term care is a concern, we don't have children or, or family to care for us, I'm going to want you to use a life insurance hybrid type account. It's a cash value life insurance. But what we do is we shrink down the death benefit as much as we can, because that's where the cost is a function of. It, it pays life insurance agents less. When you do it, the quote, the right way, it pays them less. So they're less inclined to do it this way. But it, this is what I recommend for you. We take the life insurance amount. We lower it to as much as we can legally lower it to. And then at the same time, we we probably would dump in maybe 200000 each. You could do a single a uh, big, big dump in, if you will. And that $200,000 is added directly to your account. Creates some, some uh, benefits immediately. Grows internally cash tax-free immediately. Starts to grow every single year tax-free. When you withdraw it, it's tax-free. If you need it for long-term care, you got it. Tax-free. And if you pass away, the death benefit, the big chunk of money that is there, that goes to your beneficiary tax-free. That means you're able to be in a position to adjust your taxes later, but we've leveraged it. So, for example, $200,000 might buy, let's say, 400000 or so in long-term care. Did you know that? You might be able to get double about half the cost and it doesn't impact the taxation of your other money. All right, you guys have two homes. I want you to consider living in a seasonal life. I want you to come up here, figure out to yourself, is this where I want to live? Right? I want you to ask yourself, am I interested in staying in California as a residence? Maybe you'll keep the mountain home or the home you have, but you need to spend less than six months a year. Now, there's some more rules associated with it. We've covered them on past shows. You can go to the podcast section of AM870, The Answer, and it will tell you exactly where that is. You can see how do we make sure we stay out of California, They're out of their crosshairs as a resident. We're not a resident of California anymore. That'll save you taxes, especially if you're primary residents is Prescott, Arizona, or Flagstaff, Arizona, or, or Southern Utah, or wherever you might be, Texas, Florida, Nevada. Then you're subject to whatever the local taxes, if any, they are, well, maybe nothing. By having two homes, I want you guys to enjoy life. Now listen, here's where you go. It's called marketwatch.com. Marketwatch.com does a couple of things. It has a website that gives you the other sections of that where you can go in and find two or three options 
on where you want to live in retirement. You fill out a questionnaire. It's called the best places to retire. You fill out a questionnaire. Look, if you can't find it, guys, because uh, it's a little difficult to find, actually, you go to Arif, uh, send me an email, Arif at TFSWealth.com. Arif, A-R-I-F, at TFSWealth.com. That's where you can send your questions, your emails. And if you can't find that link, let me know and I'll send you a copy of it because it is a little bit difficult to find. But what it does is it has a map of the United States. It allows you to, to input any state up to three. And it tells you what counties or cities fit the criteria that you fill out. That means if you are in a position to say, I want to be in the Northeast or the Northwest or the Southeast, you can p pick the states that you want to be in. And then there are a list of questions. Do you want it to be at this size of a town? Or are you more religious, more political? Where do you want to fit? What kind of humidity? What kind of weather? By clicking those boxes, it will pick the cities and states that fit your needs. Very important you know this, because then what it does, believe it or not, is it will give you an overlap. Because both of you guys, Marilyn, you and David, your job is to fill it out completely, separately, then there'll be an overlap. Three, four, five states, cities. That's where you guys visit. So out of 10, there might be three, four, or five that's where you visit the next couple of months or six months until you retire. Go and spend long weekends. Thursday evening, afternoon, fly, drive there, wherever it might be. Spend time driving around, looking around. Is that where I want to live? Uh, when you decide if that's the city state that you're going to live in, what I recommend is renting for the first six months, maybe a year. I like it if you go through at least one uh, seasons, a set of seasons, right? Winter, fall, summer, spring. See where it is. Because if you go travel at the best time of year, and everybody does this, that's why so many people retired to Montana and then a year and a half later, the, the home is for sale. Not because it isn't a beautiful state, but you had no idea how bad winters could be because you're used to San Diego or San Francisco. It's not the same. These are serious weathers uh, in some places. You know, Idaho, my gosh. What do you mean we, we can't leave the house for two days? Some parts are, are difficult. So I like it if you rent. You decide, do I want to be on the north side of town, the east side? Well, I don't know that. Where are you going to spend time? What church, what organizations, what uh, golf courses? I mean, come on now. I don't want you driving across town every single day. I don't want you driving across town just to go to the, the grocery store that you like. You need to know this. And if you bought a house, you're stuck. If you rent, Boy, you have a chance to get out of that at any time. Right? So that's an important. By listing the must-haves and the nice, the like-to-haves on this MarketWatch site, it will go through and catalog what is important, what isn't as important, but what's kind of nice, what's must. Find a charity or a cause that you like that's also in that same area. So if you, you like to rescue dogs, you like to be a part of a of a you know, sea life kind of thing. You, you can go out. If you're a water person, then you're going to check that box. But the most important thing, guys, as you try to figure out where to live is that we secure your long-term care. We do that. We do that with about 250000 or 200000 each, that lump sum long-term care. But what about the rest? Well, we know that we're going to start his Social Security right away 
Her Social Security going to wait till age 70. But what do we do in between there? In between there, we take the $3 million and I would ladder it. It's also called staggering depending on what your definition is. But I would ladder it. I would take $3 million and I would probably put it in three $1 million increments. One for right away, one for a little later, and one for the survivor if both of you want to be away. Meaning the $1 million now, we start the income. Starts paying you out right away. Give me a certain check. Fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year right now. And that'll go for a period of time. And then in five years or six years, when both of you are past the age seventy, right? I want both of you to be past age seventy, then we start the second set of income. And we have that last for the rest of your life. Whoever lives, both of you. And the third one. If one of you are diagnosed with a terminal illness early on or, or a long-term lingering type of medical condition, why would we want you to have to be in a bad medical care? Why would we want you to have to be in substandard care just because you didn't have the money? You guys did it. Well, we can't necessarily buy family or buy children. Some of you might say, sign me up for that deal, right, for a million dollars. I'll be your son. No, no, we're not going to do it that way. But you can buy the best care. By leveraging those dollars, including those other two uh, life insurance hybrid accounts. Because here's what happens the most. And many of you, you need to pay attention to this. This is really what I'm seeing. When one of the couple gets hurt, they drain the savings accounts that you guys have saved your entire life to care for the person who is ill. So for the next two years, you're draining hundreds of thousands of dollars from the accounts and bad news is that person passed away. And worse news is there's no money for the, for the survivor to continue to live a quality life. So we want to prevent that. And you guys can do that. Maybe you're going to travel. I'm going to recommend that you guys travel, whether it's renting a car and you travel between the cities that pop up on your, on your scans, right? When you run the scan, maybe you fly to a state and then rent a car around there. Maybe you fly there and rent an RV if you're RVing people. But you're not gonna see the same country if you fly from airport to airport to airport. It's nice, it's quick, but there's something about driving across this country. And that's a very big deal because for a lot of people, they don't get a chance to do that. And I want you guys to enjoy life without the risk and the penalty. If you want to keep some of your $3 million in the market, if, if you're somebody who says, well, I'm okay with a certain amount of risk, then that's fine. You can do that. You might decide with your, your risk financial advisor, the one that puts money in the market uh, for you. Maybe we say, look, put half of that in, you know, half of a, a one of the million dollars. So take 500000 put it on red, and I'm not going to touch it for 10 years. Let's see what it's going to be in 10 years. You can do that. It's less comforting on the back end unless we win, right? You're betting. It is a gamble. How many of you have decided in your life you're going to gamble? You've already done the risk, in my opinion, and made the money. Because think of it like this. When you guys sell the house, you're going to be allowed to receive $500,000 of profit, 250 each, without any income tax consequence at all. That means that if you're in a position, let's say you purchase the house for 400,000 and you sell it for 1.2 million. 
Well, during the years that you've owned it, did you put in upgrades? Did you fix the roof? Did you put in new plumbing? You add that to the $400,000 price. Even if it's paid off, you said it's paid off, but the purchase price is still 400. And then you added this to it and that air conditioning units, whatever it might be. So let's say your actual cost into that house is 400 the purchase, $100,000 in, in uh, repairs. That gives you 500,000. So the 500,000, then you have to add the sales costs, commissions and fees and taxes, whatever you might pay to sell the house, not income tax, but there's going to be other fees and taxes the state and city and county will charge. They just do. So now the five becomes, let's say 500 and let's say it's 600. That means you can sell it for 600 plus 500,000. So that means 1.1, anything over 1.1, you'll pay tax on. But for 1.1, you do not pay any income tax on it. So that's important. That means you guys receive $500,000 when you sell that house. That's enough to buy, maybe not cash, depending on what kind of quality of life. But look, you can live in a really nice part of Texas, Henderson, uh, Summerlin, Nevada, uh, Prescott, Arizona, for just about that, maybe a little bit more. You can live very nicely, but what about the ability to have some of that extra money? Let's say you sell it for 1.5 or 2 million. Well, those extra dollars could be your travel money. And I don't want you to put money down on the house right away. Like you, you've heard me say, you go there, you see what side of the town you want to live on, north, south, east, west. But here's a strategy that people are doing. That main house that you have that becomes that's your primary residence has been for a long time but the one in the mountain house that you that you also paid off what if you live there for 2 years and a day and then you sold it right what if that became your primary residence for 2 years and a day guess what you get 500,000 from the primary residence that you sell 500,000 from the mountain house that's a 1 million dollars tax free under current law, you're allowed to have a million dollars tax-free because you have to live there two out of the last five years. So you live there for two years, move into the rental or the, or the vacation home, rather, two years. And you have six months or a year to sell both properties and you walk away with a million dollars in cash. We see that a lot. A lot of people have a rental property that they have a lot of equity in and they just relocate. You had somebody do that. They relocated from the Bay Area down to Southern California because they had invested in a property in 2008-9. The amount of equity they have is almost a million dollars. But they have to be there for two years. So the two years is currently counting. Once they get past the two years and 10 minutes, now maybe the market will say don't sell yet. But once, they, once they're ready, poof, another 500000 tax-free. So very helpful as you're trying to build your net worth, maybe your real estate is part of it, guys. But most, most important is I want you to live in a life where you can go and not have any issues with a political world that's going to take your money. The state of California is dead. I'm sorry. I wish it wasn't. I was born here. I was raised here. My wife was born here, raised here, my kids. But it is politically corrupt. The Republican side of things, they are incompetent. 
at the very least, ineffective and irrelevant to the state of California. State of California Republican Party, Jim Brulte, messed up this state so badly because his whole objective was, well, we all, we had to pay off debt. Well, no, you had to win elections. What if you, can't you do both? Can't you walk and chew gum? You didn't win elections for 10 years, you guys. And our state Republican leaders today, they just, everybody it's like trying to throw a, oh, I tried, I tried. Well, you guys need to be able to stand up and make a difference somewhere. And if you're leaving the state of California, you have the funds to do it. Thanks for being part of the show, guys. Triple eight ninety nine retire I'm Eric Hallaby. TFS Financial Insurance Services every week at this time for our two-hour show. Thanks to you. Send me an email at arif at tfswealth.com. Have a great rest of your week. Thanks to Arif Halaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial.